So we do have that chance to be able to give to our Thanksgiving offering as well as just our regular, our general offering, our REACH fund, uh, as well as ENF, which goes towards uh, those in need in our community. That includes our pop-up food pantry, all of that. So ways to give online, in the boxes, in the back of the room. Uh, there's a box outside of Fellowship Hall for people out there. Uh, but just to encourage you to go to calvarylife.org give where you can see all of that. Let's pray for all these things and uh, as we hear from God's word. Lord, we, we love you. We thank you for these incredible ministries from Sol Rafa to the ministry of Wycliffe and Bible translation around the world, God and the Apungus specifically. Lord, for Calvary Church and the way you are using us in so many ways in the lives of the people of our church and our community, God. So as we give to you, may it be, Lord, our worship to you and may it be, Lord, fuel for ministry that you uh, are accomplishing through your power, God. So we give you this time. We focus in our hearts on your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are starting a new series today called What is Faith? Uh, Looking forward to it. It's been um, obviously kind of a crazy week, right? Like we talked about. We tried to prep last week for it. (laughs) Let's prepare ourselves through trusting in God and keeping our eyes fixed on him first and foremost. And it has been just kind of a wild week and sort of, no matter like what's going to happen, we sort of don't know still as we're, but that's part of it. I think part of some of the hard stuff is when you're in the middle of unknown or it's like more tension, more division, more issues. We're approaching Thanksgiving and families getting together and like what are like some of those conversations going to be like in certain families that have a mix of opinions. And we know all of this stuff with our election is going to be sort of played out in both courts of law and also the court of public opinion, which is the one that kind of fills us with the stress, right? And fills us with some of that and just kind of like, Lord, what are you doing? And kind of however you're coming into all of this is just knowing that there's a lot of fear. And what I also know is, is that we live in a time with more fear than that when it comes to the COVID pandemic and all of the ways that it's kind of feels like things are worse and then the economic impact on so many people and the stress that's coming from that. And then we have our own local issues, but then even just our own personal issues, our families, our personal lives, like often the stuff that's going on in our personal lives is impacting us a lot more than the stuff on the news. And so we probably all have like our own just personal stuff that we're dealing with. And so all of that's just kind of like piling on top of each other. And a lot of people can be filled with fear in like in all of these moments. And so God wants us, however, not, and and sometimes there's this whole thing because when it comes to faith and faith over fear or faith during fear, it's almost like this like I have faith in you sort of people that are weak have fear, right? Like I want you to hear it in a little bit, just like a sort of a little bit of a different way that God is going to give you a gift of faith for you when you have fear, okay? And this whole series that we're going to be in right now, it's this new series getting back into the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. This is the chapter about faith. What is faith? How can God give us faith and how can we have faith 
during fear. I want to kind of just remind us a little bit about what was going on in the book of Hebrews. Okay, or for the people in the book of Hebrews, we've been in this obviously for a little while, several months in this series. But remembering that the people that were, would be hearing this or reading these words of the book of Hebrews were Jewish people who became followers of Jesus. Okay, so you've got this Roman world, Roman culture, Roman Empire dominance with Jewish faith kind of cultural dominance in their area. Now they've heard about Jesus. They're following Jesus. You've got some who are fully converted. The Holy Spirit is dwelling within them. You've got some that are probably just sort of hearing about it and are kind of like interested and kind of steps along the way. And then in the midst of all of that, they're getting just hammered with persecution, mocking. And so they're suffering, going through all of that, and doubt is beginning to creep in. We even see in in the, the chapter right before this, Hebrews 10, it says... They, uh, they endured a great, con- this is 32, endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations. So these people are being mocked. They've been made a public spectacle. And what's happening is it's making them just think that they're just going to bail out. They're just going to bail out on this, quit on Jesus, give all this up, go back to the old ways, the Jewish culture, because that's where things were comfortable. That's where I was able to get along with my family. That's where I could fit in. That's where things weren't hard. And so they want to go back to that. And the author of Hebrews is saying, no, don't go back. Don't quit on Jesus. Jesus is greater. Jesus is better. Jesus is supreme over all of that. And what you have in Jesus is better than you could have anywhere else. And so he's reminding them of that over and over and over. And then here he begins to talk to them about faith. So we're going to be in Hebrews 11, but let's just read the last verse of Hebrews 10. If you haven't already, you can get out your Bibles, get out whatever device you read your Bible on, but don't go to anything else on that device. Go straight to the Bible app and let's read Hebrews 10, 39. It says this, but we are not of those who shrink back. You hear that? We are not, you're suffering, but we are not of those who shrink back to destruction. Leaving, if they're interested in Jesus and they're hearing about him as Messiah, they're kind of trying to figure out if they're going to follow him or not. And then they start to like be persecuted and be mocked and have this doubt creep in and they want to bail. And he says, no, no, no. If you were to shrink back, it is a shrinking back to destruction. But we are of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. So then all of chapter 11 is, here's what faith is, and here's some examples of faith that you can follow. And then we're going to have to look at the end at Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 just a little bit, because that's where it gets really good and tells us the next step. All right? So let's get into it. Let's read Hebrews 11, 1 through 3 first here. It says, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the men of old gained approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which were visible. All right. 
So you can, like they could, these first century believers, you can, you can last, you can endure through persecution, through suffering, if you follow the example of these Old Testament heroes that we're going to read about, all right? You can have patient endurance. So let's get a little bit of this description and definition of what faith is. Verse 1 again, just again hammering it home. Faith is assurance of things hoped for and conviction of things not seen. All right? Here's what that's what faith is as we talk about it here. All right? So it's a little bit like, it's kind of important for us to understand this, that it's a little bit more about faith to help us in what is kind of coming that we can't see and what's in the past that we never got to see to have faith in both of those things. It's a little different than maybe like what we think of as saving faith. First of all, we are saved by grace through faith. We're not going to be able to get super into that, but we're not saved by faith. We're saved by grace through faith that we have in God that God then gives us the faith to be able to to believe in that, okay? So just reminding us of that. It's a little bit more about this faith of what's still future, what's still unseen. And even you see in in verse 3, he says that he talks about creation. Like we have faith that the worlds were created by the word of God, that the universe was created just by God's words, and that we have to have faith in that because we weren't there. Even the author of Genesis wasn't there. God spoke this to him and he wrote it down, right? But like we have to have faith that that happened. And then we also have faith of what will happen in the future, okay? That God will, that Jesus will return, that Jesus will make everything right, that Jesus will take us to be with him forever. We have faith for what will happen and then just faith for God's care for us in the here and now. So I want us to like look into this, though, this verse 1, just a little bit, these two words, assurance and conviction, because these are key words in the midst of this whole thing. So as we just get a little bit of understanding of what faith is. So faith is assurance of things hoped for. So there are things that we hope for. Faith helps us to be assured of them. So it's this Greek word, hypostasis, which has a few meanings, it's essence, nature or assurance. It was a word in, like, in the first century in what we'd call surrounding literature, so not in the Bible, in just other writings other than the Bible. You would find this word in the Greek in ancient documents that were like titles, deeds to guarantee ownership. So that's like part of where you'd find a word like this. That's what it means. It's a guarantee. It gives you that assurance when you have that title. Another place it's used actually in the book of Hebrews is Hebrews 1.3 where it says, Jesus is the exact representation of God's nature. So that word nature there is that same word as assurance, God's nature. So that when we see Jesus, we see the exact representation of the nature of God. And so Jesus is for us this this tangible picture of God, right? And so Jesus is our assurance of who God is and what God is like. So for us to recognize that Jesus is our assurance of God. And then by faith, and what faith is, is this assurance of what we are hoping for. And it is God-given. Now, 
Also, there's this other word, conviction, elegmos, uh, or elegos, depending on, anyway, whatever. But like, elegmos, this Greek word, uh, which means conviction. Now, conviction, this word is like to rebuke, reproof, or convict. So it's this sense that what has kind of been, it's, it was used like something that has been argued out and proven convincing. Okay, convincing. We are convict. We have this conviction. Even that word conviction is like kind of a deeper sense of something that has been settled within me, right? Like I have this conviction about something that comes from God. And so this word reproof is a weird word. It's actually, um, and, and even this word elegmos, this Greek word, is only used one other place in the Bible, and that's in 2 Timothy 3.16. We don't often say the word reproof in our sort of normal everyday life, but this is a word that is in this scripture. It's a very famous verse talking about the scripture. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So it is, again, it is something that has been proven, that has been discussed, it has been argued out, and has been has proven to be convincing. It's proven true. That's what scripture helps us to be like to have a sense of conviction about something, to be convinced. So it's the conviction. To have that sense about things you can't see. We have to have a sense of conviction about something that we can't even see. And faith is what allows us to be able to have that sense of something we can't see being settled and true. But here's the thing. Faith is not about your like willpower or determination. Okay? Faith isn't you like having to... I've got to get my faith built up, right? And I'm going to have faith in this midst of this moment. Faith is not your willpower. Faith is actually a gift from God. It's a spiritual gift even. It is something that is in that list of spiritual gifts. It is something that God gives to you. Faithfulness is part of the fruit of the Spirit of God. That these are things, and fruit of the Spirit is not fruit of you. It's fruit of the Spirit. It's fruit that the Spirit of God gives you, okay? Not you giving yourself or kind of bucking up to be able to have more faith like it's willpower. It's not willpower. It's God's power. Faith is about God. Faith's not about you. So God gives you faith. We ask for faith. We place our trust. We can open ourselves up to God to say, Lord, please give me faith. Build my faith. And, and it's, it's based on, on God's promises. It's God's promises to show up. It's God's promises to us that he exists, that he is real. It's hard for us in, in our modern day to believe in the supernatural, to believe in miracles. We have doubt. We have doubt about a lot of these things. And there's a level where I want you to understand that doubt is okay, all right? But don't just sit in the doubt, lean into it, lean into God and, and dig more into who he is and ask him to build that and, and to recognize that this faith that we have, it is unseen. There's this whole supernatural realm of God sitting upon the divine council ruling over all. And there's angels, there's demons that are battling. And that there's this whole realm that we cannot see. And that is real. We have to know it, that we are part of something so much more than just what we can see in front of us. And so we have faith that is built by the power of God that in that whole unseen realm. Now... Here's what 
Ben, the author of Hebrews, wants for you is that he wants to build your faith by looking back at these examples of faith throughout this book. It says that, okay, you can't just have willpower or determination, but you can have your faith built by looking back and seeing how God was faithful to other people throughout the whole story of the Old Testament. And then we also have those that are just around us today where we see God's faithfulness. So let's, let's look then into this next section of faith worth following. And it's in these verses 4 through 7. And uh, the point as we look into it, we're going to look at three stories Okay, here, three examples of faith worth following today in these verses. Then they'll have some more the next week and the next week and the next week as we look into these. Now, the point isn't to do this big study on these characters. Okay, like we'll, we've done that and we will do that at other times when we're really digging into the book of Genesis here. But the point is really for us just to see how their example, their life can strengthen our faith in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our fear, in the midst of our doubts, in the midst of the hard times we're going through, in the midst of this crazy life and world that we're living in now where everything feels fear-filled and unsure, look back at these examples to build our faith. All right, let's look at them one at a time. The first is in verse 4, and it is Abel. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. <clears throat> so, okay, who's Cain? Like, right, just like real quickly, Cain and Abel. So it, they are the sons of Adam and Eve. It's all in Genesis 4, 1 through 16. You can read that story at some point to, you know, to brush up. But we've got uh, Abel, who is one of the sons of Adam and Eve, that God says, bring me a sacrifice to both Cain and Abel. Cain brings the sacrifice of grain, of harvest. And then Abel brings a sacrifice of blood, of animals. Now, one of them, only Abel's sacrifice was like deemed ex acceptable by God. Like God accepted one of the sacrifices, Abel's, and did not accept Cain's. Then Cain kills his brother Abel, and then Cain flees and then just has a pretty rough go of it from then on. But that's very briefly the story of Cain and Abel. Now, a um, couple things in this. This is not just that. Uh, blood sacrifice was the better sacrifice, but although we see this is the beginning of this being a through line through the Old Testament where blood sacrifice is what God required. You see that within the Israelites in the tabernacle and then in the temple of making sacrifices of blood. Then you also see uh, in Jesus that this blood sacrifice was this ultimate sacrifice. Now, I mean, they also required other grain sacrifices and things like that. But so it's not just about what the sacrifice is. Really, this is about the heart, okay? It's about the heart of Abel versus the heart of Cain. I mean, Cain's heart was really sort of, you really see the true colors of it come out when he then kills his brother. Uh, so you can see where his heart was. But that Abel's heart and Abel's motives, Abel's motives 
really mattered. And his motives before God were pure in the sense of like him wanting to just offer this sacrifice of love to God. And so we can think we're sort of doing the right thing or going through the motions of, of doing right things. But if our heart is not right, it doesn't matter. Without love, it's nothing. We see things like that in the New Testament, that our heart matters. It's like the story of the widow's might, okay, where it's a story where Jesus is in the temple courts where they throw, like, they would throw their offering into these big boxes, and they would do it publicly. Like their offerings were public. So if we had, like, a bunch of big boxes, and then you'd have to, like, walk up here in front of everybody and just, like, put your, throw your offering in there. And it's like the super rich people were walking through and just throwing in tons of coins and it would make this big loud noise and they would feel really good about themselves. And then this woman would come up, this old woman who's a widow came up and dropped like a, basically dropped a penny in it. And it's just kind of not a big loud noise. It's just a soft little FUD as it drops in. And Jesus praises this woman's gift. Because it's not just about the amount, it's about the heart. So a, ton, a rich person giving tons with the right heart is the right offering. But a poor person giving what they can with the right heart is the right offering. It's, it's, what, it's what's in the heart that matters that Jesus is showing them. And it's the same thing here. So for us, this is an example for us of worshiping in faith by Abel. Now, the other thing to kind of learn from this about faith is that faith doesn't mean that everything's going to go well for you. All right, that you're going to have great success and all your life's going to be filled with, you know, your, your career's going to get better and you're going to have lots of money and whatever you need. There's some preachers out there that will tell you that and, uh, you know, maybe show them the example of Abel. Abel had the right sacrifice, did the right things, had the right heart, and he got killed by his brother a second later. That's not like success, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's brutal. And so, so that's like an important reminder for us. And then you need to also recognize that when you have problems, it's not always because you have a lack of faith. Abel had problems, but he had the greatest faith. He's first on the list in this hall of faith. He's first mentioned. It's incredible. And so just some reminders for us to not think that um, you know, every time we have problems, it's a lack of faith. Or if we have faith, that means it's all going to go good. So there's Abel, an example of worshiping in faith. Then we've got Enoch, okay? Enoch is this guy that's like in the Bible for like three, four verses, and that's it. We'll read about, <coughs> I mean, in his original story in Genesis, let's read about him in verses five and six. <coughs> He's actually got I think he's pretty much got the same amount of content on him in Hebrews as he does in his entire life story in Genesis. So here we go. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a, re a rewarder of those who seek him. All right. So basically all you get in, in Genesis is Enoch lived a long time like everybody did. And then <laughs> he, well, he walked with God and then he was taken up. It's basically what it says. And he was no, no longer on the earth. He was taken up. So Enoch's one of two people who never died. 
Enoch and Elijah. Elijah famously on a chariot of fire taken up into heaven. Enoch just kind of like, I don't know, you know, Spock kind of, or like kind of Star Trek style or whatever. I don't know exactly how it looked, but he just zapped up to heaven. And so he's one of two people that, that never died. I mean, even Jesus died and then came back to life and then went up. Okay, so these guys uh, never died. Now it says that he walked with God. And what's interesting about Enoch walking with God is like it's, um, it's sort of a Garden of Eden language. Okay, that God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. And that, so we see this in Enoch here. He walked with God. Um, and so there's this intimacy, there's this dependence upon God that is shown in this walking with God. And it's, it's an ongoing sort of a thing. And so Enoch had faith, and, and Hebrew says, faith that God exists, that he is, and that God rewards those who seek after him. All right? So as we seek after God, we will be rewarded in some way. But first, we just have to believe that he is, which is kind of like basic level belief, right? Just basic believe God exists and that he rewards then those. So then we walk with God. And so it's this walking in faith. Now, walking in faith is, requires stepping out, right? Like you, you hear that expression, to step out in faith. Maybe you've even seen uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And at the end, there's the part where he comes up to this giant chasm. And he has to believe that there's this bridge, this invisible bridge. And he has to step out and just believe that that's there. And then even though it's this deep chasm and he steps and then boom, the bridge appears. But it's not until after he steps out. And it's, that's what stepping out in faith is. And so then what... But then we have to continue and walk by faith. And so walking by faith is kind of, you think of it like, it's almost like uh, rappelling and rock climbing. You know, have you seen people like going rappelling or maybe you've done it and it's this thing where you're standing up and then you've got to back off and just trust the rope and take that step backwards and trust it. And even sometimes we compare it to, let's say like a, a chair. This stool is probably not a great example of faith, you know, um, of God in that. So let's go to the stairs. Sorry, camera people. Um, but it's, it's almost more because, like, I could sit in that chair and know that it's going to hold me up. But, you know, I don't know if, like, if I put on some weight or if that thing gets, like, a little weaker over time. If I sit in it a bunch of times, it's, it's going to get weak. I don't have faith in that stool for a long time. But, but like, to sit on this step, oh, yeah, I could get up and get— and, Get up, get down, sit down, get up, sit down, over and over again. And I know that stair's going to hold me. I mean, that's foundational. I'm going to sit here, and it's going to hold me no matter how many times I get up. And what's interesting is walking in faith is like sitting down on that stair over and over and over again. And what happens is as we take each step of walking in faith with God, our faith is built because we trusted in him and he was there. His promises are true. His promises are true. His promises are true. And our faith is built. And so just encourage us to walk in faith because when we believe that God exists, we place our trust in him and we have faith in him and not other things because we all place our faith in something. We place our faith in ourselves. We place our faith in our own skills and what we can do or our money. We place our faith in the government. We place our faith in other people or society. Whatever it is that you place your faith in, you're going to place faith in something. So here's a reminder to place your faith in God. And the way that we should pray this 
I think is the, the way that you see in Mark 9, I believe, yeah, Mark 9, where you've got this man who's, who's seeking for Jesus to heal his child and deliver, his child needs deliverance. And he comes to Jesus and it's like, you know, if you can, will you heal my child? And Jesus is like, if I can, <laughs> you know? And he says, and Jesus says to him, like, all things are possible to him who believes. And the man says the perfect prayer. He says, I do believe. Help my unbelief. I do believe. Help my unbelief. This is an honest prayer of faith, right? And God receives that. Jesus received that and, and responded and, and healed his child. And so may that be our constant prayer. Lord, I, I do believe, but help my unbelief. That's, that's walking in faith. All right, let's move quickly through the next one. Uh, the next one's Noah. Big famous story of Noah and the ark and all that. Verse 7 in Hebrews 11 says, By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark, or a boat, right? Prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. All right, so... Noah is this example of obeying in faith because Noah is told by God, build this giant boat. They're not near water. It's not raining. Like, what's happening? It takes a really long time to build this boat. And people are making fun of him. They're mocking him while he's doing it. But he stays faithful and continues to build that boat. He obeys the word of God, even though, like, it seems crazy, even though the outcome is unseen, even though he's being ridiculed and mocked. So again, these, the first century reader or listener to Hebrews 11 is just thinking like, yeah, that's, I'm going through that. I'm going through that. I've started following Jesus, and now I'm being ridiculed by my family, and I'm being mocked, and I'm being persecuted, and all of that. And I, I just, I want to give up. And like, okay, maybe I can obey like Noah. And same for you. If you are to share your faith with people, if you are to share your faith in Jesus with others, share the gospel with them, you probably have fears of being mocked, being made a public spectacle, being considered different or other or awkward or not fitting in. And he says, obey me in this no matter what. And so obey me. And so God will come through. God will be present for you in the midst of of that, Jesus, the gospel, the good news of Jesus is better than that. Now, a quick little lesson or a reminder too with Noah, again, about faith. Yes, he obeyed in faith. Then, you know, they got off the boat after the earth was flooded and they land on land. Noah goes and just commits some of the most awful, horrible sins that you could ever do. So what's cool about Hebrews 11 and I think what's cool about God, okay, is when you look through Hebrews 11, you don't see anything in here about the bad stuff that Noah did. You don't see anything in here about the sins of Abraham or Isaac or Jacob. You don't see anything in here about the sins of Moses. And I mean, Moses wasn't even allowed to go in the promised land. Like, you don't see the sins of Rahab. You don't see the sins of David. Horrible sins that these people committed. They're not in the book. It's just their faith. 
Because God covers our sin. God forgets our sin. And having faith doesn't mean we never sin. And having faith now doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect forever. And so what we see of what God remembers and what God cares for in us is the way that he has covered our sin. He's forgiven us. And he has given us that faith for us to display. So it's not about what we do. It's about what God does and what God does through us. All right, so let's, let's wrap this up. Let's wrap this up as we think about how we can respond. Now, I want to remind us again of Hebrews 10.39. We are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. Then we see this whole description of faith and all these examples of faith all through Hebrews 11 that are supposed to build up our faith in the midst of fear. And then you get to Hebrews 12 verse 1. And it says this, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, that's all these examples of faith of the Old Testament. That's all the examples of faith of the history of Calvary Church and the history of the church and the people around us now who are living by faith. We have this great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. So let's lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So what we're to do then to have faith, look at these examples of the old, then fix your eyes on Jesus because Jesus wrote your faith and he's perfecting your faith. He's the one that gives it to you and he's the one that's making it last and will help you to endure through the fear, through the doubt, through the unseen, through the suffering. So let's remember to look at that and to fix our eyes on Jesus. And then I'd even ask you in, just in response to even consider this, to obey God in faith and be baptized. If you have never been baptized, to take that step of faith in obedience to him and be baptized. We're going to be doing baptisms in a couple weeks here at Calvary in three weeks, I think it is. A couple weeks, November 29th, whatever that is. All right, so that's our Thanksgiving weekend Sunday morning where we'll be doing baptisms in here. And so I want to encourage you to step out in faith and be baptized on that Sunday to consider that. So let me pray for us and let's worship and turn our eyes, just fix our eyes directly on Jesus, because he's the one that is the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's pray. Lord God, we, we thank you for these stories, these examples of faith that we can be encouraged by, be built up by. Lord, I pray that, uh, God, when we are fearful and when our world is just, uh, it's just unsure and it's tense and it's full of conflict and kind of don't know what to do, Lord. I pray that we would fix our eyes on you, Lord. And I pray that, Lord, you supernaturally, spirit-filled power, God, in spirit-filled power would build our faith, would give us the faith to be able to walk each day with you for you, Lord. Even when we don't know what's going to happen, even when we can't see the future, Lord. Build our faith, God. We love you. In Jesus' name.